0: Odd situation that I haven't read the text of USA 94, the World Cup that changed the game, which is a book yeah. by Matt Evans. Is it your debut book? It is, yeah. Congratulations. Uh, how long Thank has you. the idea been percolating?
1: Well, I started writing as a hobby in uh, 2017. I uh, wrote for some websites and magazines, but I'd always wanted to write a book. So when the time come, I thought, right, I've had quite a bit of experience under my belt now. Obviously, writing a book, the subject matter is obviously really important. It's got to be something that, I think it's got to be something that you're passionate about, something that's quite close to your heart. And USA 94 for me was the first World Cup that I truly, like, I was obsessed with, sort of absorbed everything about it. I was I was 13 when that World Cup was on. So um, I just thought back to that. I, I had a quick look around online, expecting there to already be a book on it, but there wasn't. Uh, it was in early 2020, so there was quite a lot about the anniversary of uh, Italian 90, and I was quite surprised to find that nothing had been wrote on USA 94. So I put a put a pitch together, sent it off to Pitch Publishing, and yeah, heard back pretty much straight away saying, "Yeah, great, go for it." So. Yes, really.
0: Fantastic. There is a whole series of books. I mean, I don't care about this World Cup. In fact, the library will be closed for new entrants, mainly because it'll just—the World Cup will suck up every ounce of football yeah. content out there. Um, but I am going to talk to guys who have written books. Well, the great uh, Stu Horsfield has already written his book on the '82 World Cup. Uh, Stephen Scragg yeah. has written about '86. I don't know if you've seen how yeah. many books are coming out this yeah, autumn. I think that Dan, Danny Lewis has done,
1: has done one, I think you spoke to him, yep. on um, 2002. I know Ross Kilvington's doing one on 98. So yeah, all, all pretty much, uh, all bases are covered, I think.
0: Yeah, Rhys Richards, Blood on the Crossbar, is writing one about the World Cup of 78. Simon Hart oh, is right. reissuing his book on Italian 90. Have you read World in Motion? Uh,
1: I have, yeah.
0: Isn't it great? Brilliant. Yeah, very Completely good. comprehensive. Um, and Simon is repackaging that book, uh, which comes out in mid-September. Um, yeah. Are you looking forward to, just to pick one at random, um, Jeff Shreves' book. Cheers, Jeff.
1: Jeff Shreves, the guy off... Um,
0: the guy with the mic the asking, off, you must be Sky. disappointed with that for Sky.
1: He should have, he should have a few decent tales to tell, really. Obviously, with people whose microphone he, he, he shoved in the face just after they've... So for the last minute defeat or stuff, yeah, I think he might have a few uh, few good uh, tales to tell.
0: And he's a, he's a local lad, he's from St Albans, and I'm Watford, right, so we are we are Hertfordshire buddies. You are, well, your dad's Wrexham in your Ipswich, so where do you live?
1: Uh, North Wales. Yes. Uh, yeah, obviously being an Ipswich fan. bit of a strange one, really, I just, uh, I was 13, 12, 13, and I just picked the team. The Premier League had just kicked off. Ipswich were newly promoted. And I thought, right, I'll just follow these. They play in blue and white, which I liked. And I thought, I'll just follow these. I remember telling my dad, and he was like, oh, right, OK, thinking, okay it'll probably only last a few weeks. Um, and here I am, well, 28 years later.
0: at the yeah. time, were Wrexham a Football League club?
1: Yeah. Yeah, Wrexham were in what would have been the old like, Division 4. Because that was my first... Um, that was my sort of football bringing, really, standing on the cot with my dad. And, yeah, my dad's been a Wrexham fan since, since
0: like the 50s. Um, I met I met a guy called Henry Jones at university who's now a, a quite creditable producer for the BBC. And he was the first Wrexham fan I'd ever met. And he was bowled over by what Rob and um, Deadpool... I can't remember his name. Ryan. Uh, Ryan, Reynolds, Ryan and Rob yeah. were, were um, putting together and... As if by magic, this first season has led to a glorious failure. So that is not what Hollywood wants to see. But I no. certainly will see that documentary because Humphrey Carr will be in it. Humphrey was the one I've met. Humphrey's comedian, an improv comedian, who put Rob and Ryan in touch with Wrexham, uh, and so that's the. I don't know if your dad's met Ryan and Rob yet.
1: No, he, he hasn't. He hasn't met them yet. Um, I know Humphrey's. He's had quite a lot to do. Sort of like the. Um boots on the ground yeah. during um, obviously all the Covid situations where Robin Ryan couldn't get over I know Humphrey's done a lot around the town and you know get himself about and speaking to local newspapers and yeah he comes he comes across really
0: well Etonians some of them are good
1: See, yes yeah so I
0: assume yes I've, well I have wrote about a chap called Tudor Mendel Idowu who's a King's Scholar at Eton who plays for Chelsea Under-18s um, ah, right. which That's is an amazing um so that's the thing that I um, uncovered and I want to uncover a lot about the World Cup that changed the game. So 1994 the tackle from behind was just about to be outlawed or had been outlawed? After
1: Italia 90 there was, they decided to make some changes in regards to improving attacking play because as much as everyone looks through rose tin glasses at Italia 90 obviously Gaz's tears and uh, waddles penalty etc. You know there wasn't a lot of action. There wasn't a lot of goals. There's a lot of bookings, um, red cards. I think it was the most red cards in a in a tournament of that size and that many teams in. I think it had one more red card than USA '94. Um, so they made some changes. One of the main ones was like the offside rule. so If you were level, you were on. And yeah, the, the tackle from behind. The basically to it was the beginning of protecting the attacking players, yeah. if you like, more. Which, obviously, is really big now. Obviously, you can't really breathe on anyone now. Without, um,
0: well, you can at Wrexham. You can at the racecourse. You can't at the Vic. Oh, yeah. Um, no. My, my Uncle Clive goes to St Albans, or went, before uh, in the last couple of seasons. And he said, yeah, you can tackle, you can push people over. But um, I spoke yeah. to Lee Fowler for the book, and Lee does a lot of work. Came through at Coventry, but does a lot of work at non-league level. And what was present in English football in the 90s is present in the semi-professional or the lower professional game. It's just a different yeah. sport. It's, there's two kinds of football, the one we like and the one that FIFA want to kind of destroy yeah. the game or at least make it a televised sport. And TV yeah. was the reason mainly that the World Cup went to America uh, because that's where yeah. it was. Rather than just launch into that, and you've done a lot of interviews about that, which is why we're, we're going all over the place at the moment. The next World Cup will be in North America and Mexico. Yeah. What will be the same and what will have changed?
1: Um, I think the same will be the organisation... It'll be, you know, it'll be organised to the nth degree. It'll be, you know, they've got experience of putting on big events in the USA. Obviously, the stadiums will be massive. Looking forward to the tailgating, obviously, yeah. the, everyone, everyone out in the car parks. Someone, I seen a post on Twitter the other day someone put a picture of the SoFi Stadium uh, in LA on, and obviously, it's just like a mass car park. And so, you know, there's not going to be much of an atmosphere at, these, at the World Cup games. So I thought, well, fan parks and obviously the tailgating in, in, in U.S. for issues. So it'd be good to get a bit of that going. Different, I think, soccer, if you like to call it that, is obviously a lot bigger now in the U.S. Uh, than it was back in 94. You know, there were certain parts of the country that didn't even know it was on, didn't know what it was. When they were trying to sell tickets, people were asking, well, well where, is it? where is it being played at? He said, "No, it's it, it's not like one game. It's a tournament. It's not like it's like 52 Super Bowls, if you like, not just one Super Bowl. So, I think the whole um, whole country will be more on board with it, not just the football community. I think we'll see it be
0: taken to a whole whole new level." In, in 2026 quite excited about it well I'm excited about it because I think I'm going to go over because my dad lives in Manhattan now and don't ask why but he's got twin boys who are now three so they and a, a girl, baby girl who's one so uh, right. the twins will be seven which is prime world cup age and yeah. they'll be right there are any of the stadia on the east coast
1: uh, yeah I think um, pretty. it's pretty split between east and west coast I think yeah no, that's great. So and yeah, yeah they'll, they'll be they'll be able to um, there'll be games. But yeah, I think it'll be um, I think in '94 there was a lot of obviously with the World Cup you get the the travelling fans. You get like the Dutch fans, the Irish fans who are always sort of like you know travelling good numbers. You know they'll always go down well with locals. There'll be more locals involved in the tournament. Yeah, a in, of... in supporting the tournament.
0: Lots of Absolutely. soccer mums going. Rory Smith has said it will be the most lucrative World Cup ever. Do you think that was why it was awarded to North America and Hollywood will get involved as well and probably do some documentaries?
1: Well, yeah, like I said, I think in, in 94, there was there was one eye on... I mean, at, at the time, they were looking at sort of like uh, empire building, really, FIFA, and they sort of looked at, obviously, the US media market as being a, you know great untapped resource for football. And then after the LA Olympics in 84... There's such a such a large amount of tickets sold for the for the football game, especially the semi-final and the final. I think they sort of thought, hmm, some money to be made here, and um, merchandise. If you can if you can put a put a logo on it, um, they'll sell it. So it all took off really. The 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 World Cup as a money making business sort of took off. And like I say, if you look at some of the stadiums in the US now and the, the media markets over there. Think uh, from from FIFA's standpoint, from a financial standpoint, it's a a no-brainer to get to get it back over there. Popularity in the game has grown as well, so it's it's not like in '94 you could probably say it was more a decision in regards to making money. In in 2026, there is a genuine, you know, a larger interest in the sport now as a whole. Actually, Mexico. As well, that obviously their fans are really passionate, and obviously Canada have qualified for this World Cup. They'll have a couple of games. So yeah, it's um, it's grown. I spoke to some people when I was writing the book, and they said that football has always been popular in the US, but it was more like a grassroots level. It was more like a participation sport as opposed to a sport that people went and watched. But they said there was always there was always a passion for the game there. You just have to walk a bit
0: harder for it. We will talk shortly about um, the USA team of 94, Alexi Lalas et al. Um, But I I noted two things uh, in the research for the World Cup 94, which is um, the topic of your book, USA 94, the World Cup that changed the game, uh, which is out now. So congratulations. I hope it's well received. Uh, Better for TV that the referees could choose not to wear black and that players wore numbers on the front of their shirt. These seem to be designed for TV.
1: Yeah, yeah, because in the past, I think the World Cup had only been covered on um, Univision, which is a Spanish-language TV network in the States. So obviously when the um, main TV networks got on board and they realised there was a big tournament happening, okay, it might not be that big to... Um, The locals but they realised what a big worldwide event it was obviously the TV uh, networks got on board and I think from a again promotional standpoint get the players names on the shirt so people know who they are because I think at the time that was probably the last World Cup you didn't know all the players like you do now you know you see players week in week out in the Premier League on Champions League games whereas I think 94 was the last tournament where You'd see guys like Alexis, and you think, "Wow, who's this? Who's this guy with, with the and ginger beard and ginger hair?" You know, I've never seen him before. And I think it was it was a good opportunity to get these sort of players, their names, sort of out and about, and people people noticing them. And you know, like sticker albums and things like that. You can match the players to the to your stickers and stuff. I
0: think it was, yeah, I think it was a, a good promotional um, ploy, really. Do you still have? I presume you did collect the stickers. Do you still have the sticker books?
1: I don't. Oh. No, unless they're buried in the loft at my parents' house, there is a slight outside chance. I have got a handful of the upper deck cards still here. I've got um, I've got some USA players and uh, a couple of others I, I managed to managed to find in the, in the depths of a wardrobe somewhere. Excellent. But um, I, yeah, I was all, all over that when I was when I was like thirteen. said so there was one shot. Like a ten-minute walk from a house that sold them, and um, it was it was getting your pocket money and running up to that shop to buy as many cards as you could for your money.
0: Well, how much was a pack? Was it like twenty-five p? Uh,
1: uh, uh, yeah, I'd say I'd say around twenty-five p. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my, my sons yeah. my sons collect football cards now in like a pound a packet now.
0: You know, hyperinflation. Inflation. It's the Fredoification yeah. of um, pocket size. Yeah,
1: Fredoification yes, yeah. definitely.
0: Yeah. yeah. I think that is a term that has been coined in a, a book for explaining <laughs> economics for dummies, which I think has just come out. Um, cool. Now, João Havelange was the president of FIFA. Brazil bid for yep. the 94 World Cup. It would yeah. have made sense for him to fix it, for Brazil to get it. Was Brazil yeah. in the 80s and 90s just a bit of a basket case?
1: Yeah, I, I think, think. The, uh, financially the country uh, was in no position. There's no position to host the World Cup. There was like hyperinflation within the uh, within the country. Financially, I think it would have been, they wouldn't have been able to pull it off. To be honest, um, they put a bit of a ramshackle bid together by all accounts, including some like handwritten notes. Which you know, for, for FIFA, they they love all their all their pomp and all things are like that that was that didn't go down very well. And then they were invited to the draw for the 1990 World Cup or the delegates from the Bidding nations were invited and um Brazil didn't turn up. So obviously that that didn't go down well either. Um and then eventually I think Havilland, sort of a member of his family was involved in with the Brazilian FA. So he sort of stepped away saying it was sort of like a conflict of interest. Hmm. Well everyone saw that as in sort of saying yeah we haven't got we haven't got a chance so And then they moved moved the announcement date to July the 4th, so Ah. um, it it didn't take a genius to work out where where it was heading.
0: Um, The World Cup final took place on July 17, 1994, so this show goes out uh, on the Monday, the Monday 11th of July, so um, that is, it is 28 years ago, isn't it? That's a long time ago. Yeah, Wow. yeah, yeah. Guys, even longer for you. Uh, you've had the kids now. Have you sat down and watched any of the 94 World Cup with the kids?
1: I've put some... I've shown them some clips, but, um, yeah, they, I mean, they are. My, my two eldest, like, are 11, so they're, they they got into football last year during the Euros, so they are absolutely, like, mad on football now. I have shown them some clips, um, some sort of, you know, long-range goals, and they sort of look at me a bit like, mm, Dad seems to be... Quite excited about this, um, but yeah, I have shown them some stuff, some old, some old footage, some um, you know, this is this is the football I watched when I was a lad, sort of stuff. But yeah, they, they love they love all football, any football. I, I was telling them about a game I played in when I was uh, ten years old, and they said, "Oh, is it on YouTube?" And I said, "No, it's not on YouTube. There's no such <laughs> thing as YouTube.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, when I when I started at university a long time ago. Um, YouTube was in its infancy and you had really blurry videos. You couldn't upload anything that was more than 10 minutes long and there was loads of lagging. The world has moved on, sometimes not for the better, as we're going to see in Qatar this year. Again, I don't care about the top level. I care more about Wrexham. I think because I'm quite near Wealdstone, I'm going to have to look up when Wealdstone versus Wrexham is. And so if you come down and bring the kids to... Uh, to Rice Lip, then you're more than welcome and I'll buy you, I'll buy the kids a soft drink. The
1: Wheelstone Raider still goes again.
0: Yep, Gordon, the Wheelstone Raider. Oh,
1: Gordon,
0: yeah. Yep, Not very nice man yeah. apparently. Um, a
1: celebrity, isn't
0: he? Yep, <laughs> again, a modern day celebrity. Who was the celebrity in 1994? Would, would the TV and the, the media kind of, well obviously we know who the main celebrity was because he was in a car chase, but would would Hollywood stars go to Pasadena?
1: Yeah, so we had like Whitney Houston, oh. um, like Oprah Winfrey.
0: She emceed the opening ceremony. Diana Ross. Did so I mention Diana her, Ross?
1: Um, yeah, her, her, <laughs> her cameo her moment. Of, of, yeah, a cameo. The draw was held in Las Vegas. Uh, Bill Clinton was there. Robin Williams. So yeah, all the uh, like I said, all the stars come out, don't they? In force in the in the states for. Uh, for big events that's that's one one thing the states will do they do support you know big events whether it is the celebrities or it is um is the fans
0: it's very interesting that ted lasso is getting the push from apple the mls which was a condition of the usa accepting the bid uh, accepting the chance to host the tournament is 30 years old apple are screening i think every game on apple right, okay next season i think i read that Gareth Bale is off to Los Angeles because there are golf clubs there and uh, he can do his other thing. Um, But you're going to have to tell me about, because it's in the bump of the book, guys who remortgaged a house in order to get the World Cup held in America.
1: So so basically the USSF, as it was known then, was basically a volunteer organisation who who ran football in the US. Um, So when they come up with an idea to... To put a bid in for the World Cup, having previously tried um, to to take over from Colombia hosting the '86 World Cup, they, well, I said, it was a volunteer organisation, so they weren't backed by major companies, or there was no real sort of money, you know, floating around. They had to open lines of credit. They had to like borrow and steal money to to get enough together to put a bid on the table in front of FIFA. Um, so Werner Fricker was the, the head of USSF, and him and his, and his sort of passionate bunch of uh, volunteers, it was all down to them, really, getting the bid on the table and in front of FIFA in, in Zurich. Unfortunately, when the bid was accepted, the fact that, they, again, they were a volunteer organisation sort of caught up with them when it came to negotiating sponsorship deals, TV deals, sorting out tickets, etc. And that's where uh, Alan Rothenberg... Uh, came in and like um, the top U.S. lawyer. He came in and won an election to become the new head of the USSF, took over from Werner Fricker, and he basically took, took the ball and ran with it, really. Got all the huge sponsors on board, TV deals, got the tickets sold, and, you know, it was sort of two parts, really. It was Werner Fricker and the volunteers that got it accepted, and then it was Alan Rothenberg um, and his team, in, which did include still included some of the volunteers. Uh, like Sason O'Golarti who was head of um, US soccer, yeah. He was he was part of the um volunteer organization of the back in the day, he was only a young guy, yeah. So yeah, it was in two parts really. It was the bids and then there was a there was a huge uh, risk of the World Cup being taken away because it was moving at such a slow pace, people were getting a bit um antsy that it wasn't they weren't gonna be able to pull this off. So FIFA approached Alan Rothenberg and asked him if he would get involved because he'd been head of football during the LA Olympics in '84. Uh, so they knew that he could he could put a, a huge event on. So he just had to become um, the president of the USSF, and at the time he wasn't even a member of it. Ooh. So he, he joined up and put himself up for election, and. Um, he managed to win the election. I think a lot of the people that worked for the USSF did sort of think there was a huge risk of us, all our hard work, coming to nothing here, unless we can take it to the next level, um, which unfortunately weren't a Couldn't do so. Yeah, it's in, it's in two parts, really. The bids bid, getting accepted, and then actually putting the yeah. putting the tournament on.
0: No wonder they went to France for the next one, a football nation... Um, yeah, they, they wanted the comfort the World Cup that changed the game USA 94 Matt Evans the book is out on pitch is it hardback? yes it is yeah excellent um, there is an e-book as well I suppose yeah, yeah. I can, yeah, get it. Pitch, so, yeah. pitch do very good things um, have a look at their websites and you can see plenty of books including From Kids to Champions the history of the FA Youth Cup I'm not going to push you towards it but it'd be nice to sell some copies um, we are um Limited by the Zoom call. So what I'm going to do is, um, it's USA 94 in the form of a quiz. Matt Evans, your specialist subject is the World Cup, the FIFA World Cup of 1994. Yeah. Who was the best young player at the tournament? Mark Overmars. Yes. Who were named most entertaining team?
1: Mm.
0: Think, think of Sweet. the obvious. Brazil. Brazil, yes, they were obviously yeah. named most entertaining team, most entertaining team. I don't know if that was a public vote. Um, which player was booked in the first minute of Russia versus Sweden? I'm going to have a
1: guess and say hey, Russian player. Now go on, I'll say Stefan
0: Schwartz. Gore Lukovic booked a minute in. It was quite a violent World Cup. Do you know how many red cards were issued across the tournament? Um, 15. 15, very good. And they included Miguel Ángel Nadal and Gianfranco Zola. Zola yeah. got sent off. He's only 2-5-3. On oh, God. On his birthday.
1: Um,
0: so they, the referees really were clamping down. It does seem that every World Cup is about the referee. The last one was about video assistance. Um, I don't know what this one is going to be. I think players, the refs just want to get off the pitch because they'll be sweating bucket after bucket. There should be ref subs. <laughs> um... I, actually, I would suggest ref subs. Yeah, um, I, yeah. Again, don't care about this World Cup. Um, which game was played indoors on AstroTurf?
1: Uh, USA-Switzerland.
0: What's the story game. there? So, um, they wanted the game
1: playing at one of the um, domes, various domes they have in uh, the USA. So there was like the Pontiac Silver Dome Michigan, there was the Louisiana Superdome, and there was the Astro Dome in Houston. So they wanted a indoor game which would have been the first World Cup game to be hosted indoors Louisiana was out because of it was their um, rainy season, sort of like hurricane season uh, Houston had just been given a, a baseball team so they, they, their stadium was sort of taken up with that so it was left to Michigan and a, a guy I spoke to was a professor at uh, Michigan University, he um, developed the turf he, uh, he had to find out how to Keep grass alive indoors and have a load of guys running around it like in football boots three games, which uh, he managed he managed to do
0: it just occurred to me that yes the the World Cup would have gone on at the same time as the baseball season. they didn't stop yeah. did today they? they didn't have a three week break no 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 crazy no. um how many of the twenty four teams that competed were european um nine eleven or thirteen. 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 They included Italy and Spain. All their players in both the Italian and Spanish squads played in, respectively, Italy or Spain. I found that amazing.
1: Yeah, I suppose if you think of how big, like, Serie A, especially, was, like, the Premier league, wasn't it, at the mm. time? In the 90s, the, the Premier League hadn't really sort of uh, hit strivers, was it was still in its infancy, really. But a lot of players started moving after '94. You've seen a lot of players come to the Premier
0: League. Uh, here's my here's my killer question. Name something else that Oleg Selenko did in his life apart from score five against Cameroon.
1: What else he did?
0: Um, Just anything, because he's only known for that one thing.
1: I can't I can't even remember where he what club sides he played for. Um, <laughs>
0: no, I, d- I didn't look this up. I'm going to look he, it up. He while played you're for hey.
1: played for Rangers, I think.
0: Oh yeah, no, that rings a bell. I'm
1: sure you I'm sure, he, I'm sure he played for there you go, played for Rangers.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't even recognise him. Uh, and he is Russian, so I hope he's having a fun couple of weeks. I hope I don't know what, what his politics are. Um, but we never see him in any of these draws. Uh, we seem, Arshavin seems to be the guy. Yeah. The ambassador. Um, Bulgaria, obviously, Krista Stoichkov was well known, but which other Bulgarian was named in the team of the tournament?
1: Was it Wechkov?
0: No, it was Balakov.
1: Oh, Barkov.
0: Yeah. <coughs> Although, Letchkov, I know, because he was famously bald. Um, yeah. So but, uh, who, was the one, sure. who was the one with the moustache and the mullet?
1: Oh, uh, Trifon Ivanov.
0: Trifon Ivanov, yes. So you become kind oh, of a... God
1: rest his soul.
0: Ah. Oh, you, you become a cult figure just by your sticker in those days. Yeah, games. oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah, yeah the wolfman he was known as.
0: Oh, of course. Well, because we had a wolfman on TV. Uh, on Gladiators. Yeah. yeah um, let's go through some of the results uh, how many goals did Russia beat Cameroon by
1: It uh, 6-1 yeah
0: who won out of Belgium and Holland in the group stage uh, Belgium scoreline uh, 2-1 1-0 that must have been a shock because Holland had some of the Ajax team like Overmars who won the Champions League
1: yeah they had um, they had quite a young side they had like the De Boer twins and obviously Overmars Bergkamp they, they, put, they probably weren't at their that, that team were at their best. I mean, think their better days were to come,
0: mm.
1: and they were still sort of in their infancy as, and, a, as, a, as a team.
0: And if you want to know about Belgium, uh, then James Kelly has written a book called Golden. So he has found that there is no English language book about the Belgium side. Yeah. And so he's written... fan, James. Oh yes, he is. That I was able to yeah. tick Wrexham off by talking to him. Have you bumped into him? Do you know him?
1: I've spoken to him a couple of times uh, over uh, social media, but i have not. i have not actually seen him in the flesh. But no, I know he's a big Wrexham fan. Yeah, there is.
0: There is still time. Uh, who scored twice when Romania beat Argentina in what must have been a shock in the last sixteen? Who scored twice?
1: Yeah, it was probably. Uh, that game was probably the the game of the, of the tournament, it's widely sort of known as uh, it would be uh, Ili Dimitrescu.
0: yeah and George Haji scored the other one uh, which yeah. was Maradona already suspended for that game
1: yeah yeah, yeah he didn't, he didn't, cause it did was going to be a clash of the maradonas Haji versus uh, Maradona yeah.
0: but he the maradona of the carpathians the did That's was he one. was he already nicknamed that by 94 people knew about it Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go. We've been sent home by that point.
0: Yeah. Yes, and I imagine he pops up in the book as the the bug eyed figure. Um, Yeah. Dear, but that's a story in itself. And now his will is being scrappled over, scrapp scrappled, scrapped over. Um, Well, we'll get to the divine ponytail shortly. But what happened after Babetto scored against the USA? Immediately, immediately after you score a goal.
1: Oh, well, he did his—he did his famous um, oh. baby rocking celebration. That was—he um, he, he debuted that against—that was more famous in the Netherlands game.
0: So everyone knew that when Bobetto scored again, he would have done the rocking baby. So that became one of the images yeah. of the tournament.
1: Yeah, yeah. His, his, I think his son—the the the child that he was celebrating the birth of plays now. That's how long ago it was? Yes,
0: again, twenty-eight years ago. But we're not counting. Brazil won Sweden nil in the semi-final. Who scored for Brazil? Uh, Romario. Romario. Ten minutes from time, so Sweden had done well. Um,
1: yeah, they'd only played in the groups. They drew in the group stages. I think Sweden sort of knew what to expect really from them. Mm. But, yeah,
0: who Romario was manager was of fast. Sweden? Was it um, um, the the Egil Olsen? Tommy Svensson. Svensson. That
1: was Tommy Svensson.
0: Right. Who Eger must Olsen have was Norway? Uh-huh. Uh, Svensson must have learned a thing from Roy Hodgson, who is a god in Sweden.
1: Yeah, well, um, funnily enough, Tommy Svenson's assistant was Tall Grip.
0: Ah, it was um, uh-huh.
1: obviously Sven's, Sven's assistant for England, yeah.
0: yeah. We haven't got much time to talk about the man who scored both goals against Bulgaria and who scored the penalty in extra time against Nigeria. Um, but in a minute, um, why Roberto Baggio, your favourite player from the tournament?
1: Uh, I just think the way he... Got off to a bad start. He got shackled by McGraw against Ireland. He got subbed against Norway when Paliuka was sent off. Uh, but then he sort of come into his own, really, in the knockouts. He just pick, picked them up and put him on his back, really. He got his goals against Nigeria, um, again against Bulgaria. Then he got injured, had an Achilles knock, and it was debatable whether he'd make the final. He did, and he thought, well, it's written. It's going to be a fairy tale for him. But obviously, he missed the penalty in the shootout, and it wasn't to be.
0: That's fine. Johan Cruyff never won the World Cup. Uh, and yeah. he is kind of. Baggio never gets talked about. Is it because he went off to become a monk, Baggio?
1: <laughs> Possibly. I mean, I think it was all. It was the the boots. It was a ponytail. He was, uh, you know, in a, he, he lived in a, a massive Catholic country and he was a Buddhist. Uh, yeah, he was just, like, you know, even his goal in 1990. You know, it was one of my favourite goals of all time in Italian 90 against Czechoslovakia. Just a top class, top class player. Made it it look effortless. Look back at some of his goals on YouTube for for his various clubs. Some of them are just absolute works of genius.
0: And I I recommend, listener, that you do the same. The final took place on July 17, 1994. That was the OJ Simpson car chase.
1: No, the OJ Simpson car chase was the opening. Right. was at the beginning of the the tournament, yeah. Um, It
0: didn't impact
1: on any of the games. We didn't lose any game time to it. They affected the NBA finals more.
0: And it just went to show that America was a country that um, loved watching stuff on TV. This was the era of Seinfeld and friends just coming in.
1: Uh, A lot of the the European reporters who were there were like, who's O.J. Simpson? Oh, it's that guy out of Naked Gun. Whereas the Americans were like, he's one of the, you know, for Heisman Trophy winner, he's one of the greatest, um, you know, running backs.
0: And it's odd because they'd feel the same about Roberto Baggio. Only the kind of Italian expats would know about him or people who watched him. Since then... The game has changed. The World Cup that changed the game was USA 94. Matt Evans is the author. Will there be another book or are you going to do other things now? Uh, possibly.
1: I think I'm just going to enjoy basking, basking this one for a while. And, uh, maybe, maybe something else will, will, will come along down the line.
0: Uh, Matt Evans, thank you very much indeed. USA 94, the World Cup that changed the game is out now on pitch and I'm off to watch all that Roberto Baggio footage. Just like the library! Just like the library! Just like the library! Just like the library! Like the library. Shh!